Hey, folks, I know a lot of you are sitting at home right now enjoying the show, but I don't want you to just be a passive consumer of this show. I want you to also be an active maker, a creator. And one of the best ways to do that is to join the 2016 Maker Challenge, megamaker.co slash challenge. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? This is Mega Maker, episode 27. <laughs> Mega Makers, you will not believe what happened to me yesterday. I got to speak with one of my Canadian broadcasting heroes. Hi, I'm Nora Young. This is Spark from CBC Radio. Our goal on Spark is to give you the heads up on how technology is changing your life and your world. Nora hosts an amazing CBC radio show and podcast. You can find it in iTunes by searching CBC Spark. And I've been listening to the show forever. When I was commuting one hour into downtown Edmonton in a previous life, Spark is one of the shows I would listen to during my commute. It kept me sane. And she emailed me because she was interested in these two essays I'd written. One back in 2013 called This is a Web Page. And one I just published last week called I'm a Fucking Webmaster. Let me read you a piece of it. Back in the 90s, our websites were pretty damned ugly. Instead of worrying about window dressing, we focused on words, hierarchy, and structure. No distractions, just what idea are you trying to express? We need to remember that at its core, a web page is simple. That's the beauty of it. And when you publish your own HTML to a server that you control, that's powerful. Autonomy and independence are central to the web. We can't forget that. So the essay is this combination of nostalgia, minimalism. If you go and look at it, justinjackson.ca slash webmaster, you see it's a very simple page. It looks like it's from the 90s. And a rallying cry for the simpler times of the web, a rallying cry to focus on the content, focus on the words first before you worry about everything else. And it obviously struck a chord because I, I published it six days ago and it's been viewed, I think, let me check here, 65,000 times, 65,288 at this exact moment. So some of these ideas resonated with people. And the next thing I know Nora Young is asking me what I had for breakfast. Um, can you tell me what you had for breakfast today? We'll check our voice levels. Um, for breakfast this morning, I had sunny side eggs on toast and a side of sausage. Nice. Usually when I ask people that, they, just, they say coffee, which is not very helpful for getting a voice level. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know when that interview is going to be published. I will let you know. I think this experience is instructive, though, because it gets back to things that I talk about a lot on this show. One is to keep making stuff. Don't just be a consumer. Two is to make unique things, things that are out of the ordinary. And three is to tell people about it. And this is especially important, little foreshadowing for the second part of the show. This is especially important if you want to make a living doing creative work. You have to repeat those steps over and over and over again so that you build up a reputation, so that you build up a following, and 
you increase your chances of serendipity happening. This also shows the power of making a list, a list of things you could make this year. Uh, I have mine in public. You can go see it at megamaker.co slash list, and you'll see that items 38, 39, and 40 all have to do with this essay. I wrote the essay. I created a fake trucking website. It's one of the Easter eggs in the essay. And a nerd mullet propaganda website, also an Easter egg in the essay. And I realized that all of this seems ridiculous, especially to an outsider that might look at my list and say, what the heck are you doing with your time? But it goes back to what we talked about last episode, which is this idea of doing things and telling people about it. Actively creating, even if it's something small, tiny, every day, is way better than sitting on the sidelines. There's one more thing I realized writing this essay and making all these fake websites, and that's that sometimes you do need to do projects where you're not getting paid. Getting paid for creative work does create this pressure, and it's hard to be creative when you're in a vice. It's hard to be creative when you feel like if you don't deliver, you're not going to eat this week. And so giving yourself permission to do things on the side just for fun that are completely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Frivolous. That's what I'm looking for. Doing things on the side that are completely frivolous is good for you. And that should be a part of your creative regime. You might have noticed a pattern lately. The beginning of the show has become the place where I do a monologue of sorts. I share kind of what's going on. I share especially projects where I'm just doing them for fun. They are frivolous. Uh, The second part of the show, which we're now in, has become the part of the show where I talk about making a living as a creative person. And I know that this show has both kinds of listeners. Some of you really just want to be creative and want to explore that part of you and don't even want to think about getting paid. But another part of this listenership is very interested in how you get paid as a creative person. And so this month and last in April as well, My friend Marty and I have been building some software products, which is one way you can make a living doing creative work. And the first one was a bulk SMS tool called NetworkEffects.me. And the one that we're focused on right now is RemoteWorkers.club. And what we were trying to prove or test was what happens if you launch two apps at the same time. One where we built it around a technology, which is the SMS tool, and one where you build it around an audience that you understand and a problem that you have seen kind of clearly in that group. That's remote workers. And we have paying customers. Last week, I told you we had, I think, a couple paying customers. Now we have multiple paying customers who have paid $99 to be a part of our beta. And right now, the beta really is just me calling these folks up, getting a sense of why they signed up, what their needs are, and how we can help them. And I had an interesting conversation with one of the new members, Tim, when I asked him, what made you sign up for this beta? There's no app yet. There's no screenshots. And this is what he said. Uh, 
I I signed up because I trust you. Um, I I think uh, of of all the people that make things on the web, I think you're very consistent. Um, you follow through with what you do, and I I I value that. Tim's comments are so timely because I've been wanting to talk about this forever. I interact with hundreds, thousands of makers every week, especially when I send out a, a newsletter. Uh, you can get on that list, by the way, by going to megamaker.co slash challenge. And people share their projects. People you know, contact me right before they launch. People contact me after they've launched something and it didn't go the way they wanted it to. And sometimes when a launch goes bad, it's puzzling because I go and look at what they've created, the product, the thing they've made, and it looks great. It's really solid. It's well done. It's well made. And I go and look at, you know, their marketing efforts and everything looks great. They have a launch list. They've, you know, emailed and built anticipation They've, you know, done a, a launch day discount. They've done kind of all the best practices. And it, it's puzzling because there's this myth that if you create great work, it will be discovered and enjoyed by many, many people just by the fact that it's great work. But it turns out that's not how it happens. And I think I know why. I think we underestimate the importance of status, reputation, and trust for the maker when people are buying things. When somebody goes to buy a sculpture, they have questions. They're wondering, is this sculptor any good? What's their reputation? Are my friends going to laugh at me if I get this? Is this a well-known fraud? Will I be disappointed after I've purchased it? Similarly, if you're buying a book of advice, you're going to want to know about the author. Why should I trust this person? What kind of status do they have amongst their peers? Who else has read it? What of my friends have read this book? Has it been recommended? Do I trust the person who's recommending it to me? And for makers like us, this is difficult to hear because we have spent years perfecting our craft and working on creating really great things for an audience of people. But the truth is most people make purchasing decisions based on a variety of emotional factors, including do I trust this person? Do I think this person has high status? Is this person a success? That's a big one. We love to follow people that have perceived success in a given area. So even when we think we're making rational decisions, so much of it is based on how we perceive the maker and how our peer group will judge us as a consumer of that product. So how do you cultivate a good reputation? Well, first, let's look at that word cultivate. What's the definition of cultivate? Cultivate means prepare and use for crops or gardening. Growing a reputation is a lot like growing a crop. You're constantly preparing the ground and planting new seeds with the hope that in the future, those seeds will grow into something you can harvest. You build reputation over a long period of time 
building things and telling people about them, doing things and telling people about it. Like a farmer planting and growing and preparing the soil, this has to become a part of your routine. It has to become a part of what you do all the time as a creative person. Another way that you build reputation that we haven't talked about yet is by helping people, looking for opportunities where you can answer a question on an internet forum, uh, reply to someone's email, reply to someone just needing help on a certain thing that you know how to do. So if you do both these things, if you build things and tell people, and if you help people on a daily basis, you'll build a reputation. My friend Rob Walling recently gave a talk where he talked about the four unfair advantages that certain products have, and I'd like to highlight two specifically. I just, you know, made a big list and did an analysis and I talked to a few people and figured out that there really are four unfair advantages. And so the four that I narrowed it down to, and you can have more than one, are number one, to be early to a space. Second one is who you know, so it's your network. Third is who knows you, so it's your audience. And the fourth is growth expertise, right? So it's how much expertise you have uh, growing a company. Those two in the middle, who you know and who knows you are really helpful when you're launching something new. If you have built an audience over time, they trust you. You've been able to build that trust day after day, week after week, month after month. And when it comes time for you to create something and put it out into the world, they are going to be your biggest fans. Likewise, if you know key people in a certain industry or key people in a certain space and they have their own audiences, they can help you share your work as well. And they can also bring some legitimacy to something you've created, especially if you're brand new in the space. So as you can see, this is not something you can do immediately. It's something you can start immediately that you will plant now and that you will be able to harvest in the future. So that's my advice. Start now start small, go out and start building things and telling people and helping people wherever you can. Well, that's our theme music playing in the background. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't yet, go to iTunes and leave a review, megamaker.co slash review. All the show notes will be at megamaker.co slash 27. Our theme music is striker-metal.com and our podcast is hosted by simplecast.fm. Want to reach out to me on Twitter? I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin, M-I, Justin. See you next Wednesday.